This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. It's Obehave with Arden Moore. This show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Today's show features one of the world's top dogs in the field of veterinary medicine and pet behavior. He's also one of the most creative geniuses I know. Yeah, I said the word, genius. He is the creative force behind a must-see television channel for viewers who bark and wag their tails. It's called Dog TV. And it is revolutionizing good behavior in many stay-at-home dogs. Please join me in giving pause and applause to the one and only Dr. Nicholas Dodman. Welcome to our show, Dr. Nick. Hey, Arden. Thanks for having me on. Good to chat with you again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, folks, Dr. Dodman is here to talk about why your dog deserves dog TV. He's going to talk about his latest book and much more. So, you know the drill. Sit and stay We'll be right back after this commercial break. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. Obehave will be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is the remarkable Dr. Nicholas Dodman. Now, we could literally fill up the airtime on today's show by listing all his accomplishments, but let's just highlight a few. He is the best-selling author of more than five books, many that I have in my office, including my personal favorites, The Dog Who Loved Too Much and The Cat Who Cried for Help. He founded the Animal Behavior Clinic back in the 80s at Tufts University's very prestigious veterinary school. Oh, and I think you've got more initials after your name, Dr. Nick, than a bowl of alphabet soup because this guy, he's a veterinarian, a behaviorist, anesthesiologist. He's an in-demand pet expert. 
He's appeared on such shows as Oprah, 2020, The Today Show, CNN. I can't keep it all tallied. But we just barely skimmed the surface of what you do, Dr. Nick. But let's just get started. I mean, just tell our listeners, what the heck is dog TV? Well, it's really an entertainment program designed specifically for dogs. Uh, everything about it is dogs. And there may be a few words here and there, like an owner telling their dog, sit, oh, behave, and so on. Okay. But really, it's dog content, so it's designed to be visually appealing to dogs. It's designed to appeal to their sense of hearing, and there's a calming phase in there which has bioacoustic music. It's got content that's appropriate for dogs because you know, all animals like seeing each other, and in the case of dogs, they're humankind friends, and also the sort of terrain that they typically traverse, whether it's um, city streets or parks or fields. Everything is designed for the dog, including, in many cases, cameras even held down at dog eye view. So you see oh, the yeah. dog eyes. And you know, there's different phases. There's um, entertainment to keep the dog amused with little squeaky things and you know, interesting things that we think dogs will like. There's the relaxation phase, which is particularly helpful for dogs home alone to help them relax and have a little sleep while their owners are out instead of panicking. And then there's sort of an education phase that we call exposure, but really it's, uh, it is exposure. It's exposure to things they might come across in everyday life that might otherwise worry them, but at a very low level and sort of intermittently so they can kind of get used to it. You say the word dog TV and you think, oh, you're just showing a bunch of dog videos, but from what you're even just highlighting, Dr. Nick, there's a lot of research and science that went behind it. I mean, of all the things that you've done, was this one of the most challenging and rewarding to be part of the team on this? Well, I must admit I was uh, delighted when I was asked in the very early days to join a small group of two to make the third person. And I was immediately you know, entrained into this as being interesting, appealing, useful, much needed. And Actually, I was already doing something like this, but kind of piecing it together myself. Okay. So when dogs were home alone, I would, like so many dog owners do already spontaneously, is I would advise people to leave on, say, the TV, so they've got some visual stimulation, and or radio tuned into an appropriate station, you know, and to provide a room with a view and entertainment. And I was trying to put it all together, but it was about five steps. Yeah. Dog TV does it in one step. It's, you know, the entire package all rolled into one with the visual, auditory, content, entertainment, relaxation. It's the whole thing. So I was just delighted to join that group. And, you know, I always thought right from the very beginning, this content is particularly helpful for dogs home alone. I mean, sure, you, you could put it on in the evening while you're cooking and it might be um, an entertainment for the dog while you're busy or working on a computer. But the fact is, if the dog is home alone, this is something other than the sound of silence that will appeal to the dog and make the otherwise stressful environment less stressful. I always think there's nothing more distressing than the sound of silence and perhaps a clock ticking in the background. There's a lot of dogs that you have treated when you were at Tufts and other places that you know, are suffering from stress, are suffering from separation anxiety and, and other emotional things that can cripple them. I mean, you talked about the phase, you know, there's this audio and video portions that are catered to dogs, but how does this work? Because it, it looks a little different than your regular high-definition TV show for us as two-leggers. You kind of tweak the way it looks a little bit, right? 
with the colors? Yeah. So everything on Dog TV is based on science. Okay. So there are at least 60 peer-reviewed articles that were incorporated. We read them. We incorporated the science from them. So you were just referring to vision. And it is a fact that dogs, unlike us, we're sort of so-called trichromatic. So we blend three different colors to create the spectrum of light that we can see from red, orange, yellow, down to indigo, violet. We see that visible spectrum. The dog is dichromatic. It only has two different kinds of color receptors. So basically what that means is they don't see really much color at the red end of the spectrum. Now, okay. reds and oranges are sort of faded a little bit into sort of more like a gray. They are, in effect, you know, red-green colorblind. That's a you know, condition that affects some people. So we took the reds and tweaked them to give them a little more vibrancy so that when we look at it, you know, without red, we might look at the picture and say, color-wise, it might appear a little flat. But when a dog looks at it, it's um, a whole new way of looking at the world, probably even more enhanced than what it sees in, in real life. It's, it's definitely going to reach out and grab the dog. That's just the visual aspects. Um, let me just back up a tad. Sure. because We know the separation anxiety affects something like 15 to 17% of the nation's you know, 85 wow. million dogs or 83, 85 million dogs. That's a huge number of dogs. But it's even worse than that, actually, because 80% of dogs that owners have just let just leave at home. If you measure stress hormones in those dogs, 80% have increased stress hormones when they're left alone, whether or not they have overt separation anxiety. So they may be suffering in silence because they're not acting out. They're not doing all the usual signs of separation anxiety, like, you know, barking and destructive behavior and urinating in the house. They're not doing these overt signs. They're just suffering quietly in a stressed out and the only way you perhaps tell in real life without measuring these stress hormones is that your dog greets you exuberantly when you come home because it's so pleased for the relief. So this is something which could effectively help 80% of dogs, not just the 15 to 17% with separation anxiety. And dogs who are healthy, you know, the 20% who aren't particularly stressed out, you know, they too can benefit from, you know, sounds and sights and entertainment while their owner's away. So that's just something to do like us turning on the TV. If you go to the uh, dogtv.com site, folks, you can actually check it out. They do offer a 14-day free checkout. And if you like it, I think it's like nine ninety nine a month. But to me, $10 a month for the uh, sanity and security and feeling of calmness in your dog, I think that's a pretty good price. Well, a lot of people pay a lot more than that for, say, a dog walker to come by at uh, noontime and take the dog for a, you know, a mile walk just to break the tedium. And you do that for four or five working days a week for a month, then it's going to cost you a fortune. So this is your effectively your television babysitter for your dog. Now, we talked a little bit about how dogs see. What are some of the things that have been incorporated in dog TV that, that tap into their keener sense of hearing than we have? Well, this sense of hearing is similar to ours except that they hear in the higher registers you know they hear about an an octave higher than we can in the so-called ultrasound range Uh, most tvs can't actually create ultrasound but we do know that little uh, sort of sharp sounds and in the entertainment section there are little sort of squeaky noises and things so if the dog is sort of sitting there 
you know, feeling miserable looking out of the window and the TV kind of goes, you know, <laughs> then they, they turn towards it. And you know, we did an experiment for uh, dog TV and looked at uh, a whole bunch of videos that were taking of dogs home alone watching, you know, either dog TV or some other, you know, sort of what we call control phases and without going into huge detail just to say that the dogs with dog tv watch television for about 13 percent of the time you know maybe five ten seconds at a time they're not couch potatoes they just look at this say hey that's interesting and then look away just like we might when we've got good morning america on when we're cooking breakfast hey that's yeah. an interesting yeah. piece and then you look back down again but you add up all those seconds it came to 13 percent of time which in a six hour day is about an hour so that's pretty handy. It's not just the one hour that they're actually looking, because the fact is when they're not looking, they're also hearing. And especially in the relaxation phase, where the, the picture on the television is more like a moving picture postcard of some serene scene. The fact is that there's this bioacoustically engineered music. And this, while it's not in any particular register, like I was just talking about, the fact is that it is slowed down. I mean, we know, for example, from other scientific work, that dogs appreciate sort of slower more melodic sounds so there's a lot of sort of piano and of course they prefer things along the lines of uh, classical music so we take that you know and or sort of sometimes little ditties and songs and slow it down and entrain it to uh, biological uh, rhythms wow I guess my corny sense of humor with uh, singing, I just need to slow it down to get Kona and Bujo and Cleo to maybe appreciate my singing a little bit more, Dr. Nick. Yeah, I mean, I tried this one time, you know, actually, was it, I can't remember, I think it was before I met Dog TV, is I was experimenting with bioacoustic uh, sounds, and there are a couple of CDs that are out. Of course, this is just sound, whereas Dog TV is the whole package. But I took one of these, I think it was called Through a Dog's Ear, and I played it to a dog who was running up and down my office building, jumping and barking on everybody. I attached a cardiac monitor. It's just a, like a belly band around the dog so I could actually record his heart rate remotely. And from this exuberant dog, the minute I turned on this CD in this you know, high-definition sound bioacoustic music, the dog sort of immediately stopped, kind of looked around, and then sort of sat down and then sort of went into the sort of sphinx position. And his heart rate went from like 120 down to 100, down to 80. And the next thing is he was in a nice kind of like snoozing mode. You know, it can have a profound effect. It's very difficult to prove scientifically. And, you know, the great Oliver Sacks said that he totally believed in the value of bioacoustic music or what they call in humans psychoacoustic music that's used in music therapy. And I heard him on with a, a client, a patient, who said that uh, you know her son had really responded so well to this. And he said, I totally believe in it, but proving it is very difficult. But there were some studies done in Ohio State that uh, indicated that it does have a very beneficial effect in dogs. So we've got two things, the, the squeaky attraction sounds in the action phase and the bioacoustic music in the relaxation phase. One of the other phases you were talking about, about dog TV, is the educational phase. Can you give me a little idea what that's all about? Well, for example, you know, there is a little bit of, you know, and don't panic, anybody listening, there's very muted, you know, for example, thunderstorm sounds that are sort of just spliced in ever so subtly in the background. And they sort of appear followed by something more entertaining. You've got uh, sounds of doorbells, but again, don't worry, it's kind of tuned down. For example, an owner bringing her dog to the door and telling it to sit, and it sits nicely. Good. And you might think, well, dogs don't learn by observation like that, but actually they do. 
So that was another one of the papers that we looked at. And it was, you know, it's not directly to do with dog TV, but if you take puppies and you show them pictures of puppies cavorting around, they can actually become sort of socialized through video images. And there's also publications that show that if you have an owner addressing their dog with voice and hand signals, that the dog will sit there and watch their owner on the screen or some other person actually obeying what's on TV. So they're watching. And then you take away the voice and just with hand signals, the dog will respond. It didn't used to be this way um, because in the old days, the uh, so-called flicker fusion rate was such that the dog did not actually, wasn't able to see television. But with modern digital television, you know, with faster rates, they can see the picture just fine and they can hear obviously just fine. And we've known this for a long time. I've had people come to me and say, you know, my dog, he loves television. And one of them, he would always, when he heard the theme song for that Barney the Purple Dinosaur, he would You're not going to sing that. Are you going to sing that for us now? <laughs> I'm not sure I no. can. Okay. <laughs> But he would always run through and sit in front of the TV and watch this uh, you know, fun program with this purple dinosaur. And another one, I never understood this one, but when he heard the theme song for this detective show, what's it called? Um, it goes, Dudum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. You know CSI or whatever. Something yeah. like that. One of these yeah. things. And when he heard that, those two notes, Dudum, there was something about that show. He'd run through from the other room. I get lots of people who tell me, you know, my dog loves TV and this, that, and the other. And, you know, so does my cat. And actually, that's how Dog TV started with the inventor was sitting in his home and he watched his cat, Charlie, you know, hanging out watching, you know, moving things on TV and thought, hey, this is a great idea. Animals do see TV. And yes, they do. And that may be that visually certain breeds might be less susceptible to the visual component. So if you take a big old lazy scent hound, like a bloodhound who lives his life through uh, with his nose to the ground and not paying much attention to other things. It may not be just as susceptible to the visual component, although still the audio component would be helpful in terms of relaxation and the bioacoustic music. Gotcha. And Mark was listening and that dun-dun was not CSI. It was Law & Order. So Law & Order, that was what it was. Mark is winning the trivia contest. He's beating us, Dr. Nick. Hey, before we take a commercial break, I know there's dog TV. Have you ever entertained the idea of cat TV? What's the difference? Well, at the beginning, that was definitely on the cards. Uh, we had three possibilities. One was dog TV. One was cat TV. And the other was a show designed for pet owners that was going to be really different from anything else that's out there, very substantive. These other ideas have been shelved temporarily while the major push has been to get Dog TV launched and okay. up and running. And now it's in a huge number of countries with a whole load of platforms. You know, some countries have more than one platform showing it. You know, Germany's over Europe, uh, Korea, United States. You know, it's all over the world and it's um, going gangbusters. So it certainly seems to be catching on and it's done. And that really means that it's working. So we're very happy about that. But maybe well, cats will come next. Yeah. I mean, my cat really pays attention at the end of the uh, CBS Good Morning show. If they do that little one-minute clip of uh, something nature, they had this one scene, and there's no, you know, talking over the mm. shoot. And Casey jumped right up when they had these uh, different birds on there, and the birds were as big as he was, and he was trying to paw at the birds. And then, because his dignity was at stake, he pretended to groom. But he sat there next to the flat-screen TV trying to touched the birds and then realized they were one-dimensional and he went to grooming. So, you know, cat dignity yeah. reserved. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, folks, we're talking with Dr. Nicholas Dodman. He is one of the forces behind Dog TV, but he is a best-selling author. He's an incredible animal behaviorist and veterinarian. And I worked with him for many years at Tufts University when I was an editor of one of their pet publications. He's a great guy. Uh, we're going to learn more in his latest book, on Couch, after we take this quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Hi, it's Victoria Sewell from Animal Planet. It's me, all the dog. You're listening to Overhate with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Overhate. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. We're speaking with Dr. Nicholas Dodman. Hey, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Dr. Nick, but one time you had some kind of Jag or some other sports car when I was visiting Tufts University, and you took me for a spin. So I think an IndyCar race driver is in your future, too. Well, yeah, that was um, a 911 Porsche wide body. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in sort of white gold color. You know, my wife was worried that I would appear very obvious driving around town. I think that was the case because I got one or two tickets. That's all right. But That's I had had a Jaguar in the past. I used to, I, you know, I did like cars, especially when I was young, and I had a, you know, very fast E-type Jaguar with a really? fast back model in British racing green, and that was very cool. Do you ever watch any of the car shows like Jay Leno's Garage or anything like that? No, and I don't watch NASCAR. I just like cars. I mean, I don't know much about them inside, but uh, I admire some sleek lines. All right. And we got to give a shout out to your wife, Dr. Linda, who's also a veterinarian, correct? She is. Yes. All right. Hi, Linda. All right. Hey, so tell us about your latest book, Pets on the Couch. When you were at, uh, you're a professor emeritus now at Tufts, but you have gotten every kind of dog and cat and other critter case that needed your professional guidance. So tell us what uh, Pets on the Couch is about and where we can get our paws on it. Well, this may sound kind of dull, but it's not. Um, okay. It actually almost describes, although not necessarily in this order, you know, my life at Tufts and the research we've done and the discoveries we've made. So, you know, a lot of the work, of course, was about obsessive compulsive disorder in animals, which has, you know, gone the world. We've discovered genes that cause it in dogs. The genes have been confirmed in people. We've done MRI scans in dogs with compulsive disorders and found their brains are very similar to those of people. Wow. Um, at one point, I found a, an equine model of Tourette syndrome, which we published. More recently, I found a dog model of autism, which we published. I was probably the first person to recognize PTSD in oh, dogs. Yes. I tell that story in the book and you know Alzheimer's and basically every 
kind of new thing or discovery that happened in my 35 years at Tufts. And some of it was really quite you know, strikingly different. And I guess the theme behind, behind the whole thing is there is kind of really just one medicine that we're all mammals, uh, at least the mammals and us are all, all in one group together. You know, we're not fish, we're not birds, although birds are very smart. Fish can be uh, smart too sometimes. But it's about you know, really the mammalian kind. I think there's some avian stuff in there too. But you know how similar we are that you can translate, you know, for example, a condition that occurs in people or a medical treatment in people will translate directly to the dog. And in some cases, we've invented new treatments in dogs and those have actually found their way into the human usage in psychiatry, for example. So there's a, two arrows going both directions. We can learn a lot about animals from seeing what happens in people, and people can learn a lot about what happens in, in themselves by understanding what happens in dogs. So the book's really about one medicine, the translational approach, and all of the novel things. But my editor kept saying, more stories. You do have more stories, but it's this breakthrough knowledge that has really benefited countless dogs and cats. I mean, the work you've done with studies on Prozac for kitties have saved many cats from being surrendered to shelters or just dumped. I mean, seriously, I do applaud you. Well, thank you. I look around now into specialty groups and I see them discussing medicines that, you know, wouldn't even be being used if, you know, we hadn't first tried them out at Tufts and they're helping dogs far and wide. And it's kind of humbling when you travel to Japan and you find out that they're using a medicine that started at our little clinic at Tufts University in central Massachusetts. Nice. Now, obviously, you don't have a Boston accent. So tell our listeners where you hail from. And were you one of these little boys that said, I'm going to be a veterinarian when I grow up? Or what was the dynamics that led you this way? Well, I kind of do go through that a little bit in the book, but it, it was really that I was an animal person and I became an animal person because I had an animal mother who had flocks of wild birds that would follow her around and I'd very often walk into the kitchen and there'd be a, a thrush or blackbird hopping around on the kitchen table as she prepared its food or they'd sit on her head and they all had names and she used to defend them against naughty Mr. Magpie who would come and steal her eggs and <laughs> when she came to see me in the United States later, she had to get a bird sitter to come and look after her wild birds in the garden because they would miss her when she was gone. Wow. And, and everybody, she was like the neighborhood St. Francis of Assisi. Everybody bought everything with fur or feathers to her. If it fell out of the nest or broke a leg or something, she'd nurse them to hell. So I was bathed in it from a very young age. And what part of England? Grannels. Yeah, what part of England did you grow up? I hailed from London. Okay. And we, we moved progressively a little bit further south, but we were still quite close to the smoke, as they call it. And, you know, the, so, but I, I still, I hadn't kind of twigged it when I was in late teens. And, you know, the careers master said, you know, you could be a doctor, a dentist, or a veterinarian, or an ophthalmic optician. Wow. And I, went, I, don't, I don't want to be an optician. My brother-in-law is already a doctor, so I can't, you know, so I don't want to follow his footsteps. And dentists in Britain working with NIH have a, often a short life. It's very stressful because they have to work very hard for the national health to make money. And I thought, yeah, vet sounds good. Then I thought, wait a minute, that's my roots. There you go. Uh, it was to do with, you know, more animal, you know, what I'm getting more involved in these days is, you know, animal welfare. And I have a little not-for-profit that I co-founded, which people can take a look at. It's called the Center for Canine Behavior Studies. And dot you can org. access that, yes. drdodman.org. Okay. Uh, D-R-D-O-D-M-A-N.org. You were pretty young when you became a faculty member in Britain. I think you were like just 26. 
Yeah, so it's pretty, you know, in Britain, there's a different educational system. So, you know, I was leaving what you would call high school when I was 19, went straight into a five-year program in veterinary medicine. And after one year of internship, I was um, immediately on faculty. So, and at the time, I was the youngest faculty member in Britain. Nice, nice. Well, now you came to the States. What brought you here? Well, really, it was um, Margaret Thatcher's austerity program. Um, specifically, she would, you know, to try and save the government money, she cut the university's grants and they weren't hiring anymore. And when people left, you had to sort of adjust ranks and take on other people's responsibilities. Wow. Getting wow. very little, um, there were no pay increases and inflation was running at 10%. And I'd been to the United States in 1971 to work in a practice a long time ago. And I loved every minute of it. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to that place that I loved the land of opportunity. And sure enough, back there in 1981, I could not believe my luck at landing the job at Tufts. And it was just a dream come true. But funnily enough, as the years have gone by, you know, it's sort of not that it affects me now in retirement, but I see the austerity thing is beginning to creep back even here. Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. And you have a dog named Rusty, right? We have to do a shout out to Rusty. How's Rusty doing? Yeah. Rusty is just the most amazing dog. He's a rescue and my favorite breed is a rescue. That's um, a great breed. I have that him. breed too. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I got him when he was eight months old, and he's now about nine and a half. And he's my shadow, and he's a wonderful dog. He, he just he listens, he loves, he runs. He's great with people, men, women, children, other dogs. And if a dog oppresses him, he doesn't roll on his back or run away. He'll stand his ground. He would never attack a dog. I never have to worry. But if he was attacked, I've seen that happen twice. He will fight back. But you know, he's actually a peace-loving dog, and That's I just good. feel totally comfortable anywhere I go, and he would never run away or leave me. There was another dog I wrote about in the book called Jasper. Yes. And Jasper was also a rescue, but he was a very naughty boy. He always ran away and was found in the next town or picked up by the dog officer. And you could say that I was a bad owner because I didn't keep him on leash all the time, but I thought that was inhumane. And he had a wonderful few years with me. But when I was down in Chesapeake Bay about nine months ago, he took off after a deer on the top of a cliff oh. and, and just disappeared. His GPS tracker, which I had to have for him, stopped sending signals and he was never heard of again. I'm afraid to say he might have gone over the cliff, but my wife Linda, the other vet in the family, is yes. absolutely convinced that somehow a local naval station blocked the signal and that he's alive and well somewhere probably been taken into another home because apparently that is the way down in Maryland that uh, we were told by the, the uh, animal control officer that people see a dog wandering around they say oh good a free dog and they take off all its tags and put on their own oh which is well, kind of weird yeah and that's kind of unsettling because you don't know but I hope one day the mystery is solved and you do find a healthy happy Jasper that would be my I wish hope. for you I hope he comes back. I know Rusty, though. I can just imagine, does Rusty have any idea or do people have any idea when you're walking, Rusty, here's this nice man and his dog, that all the knowledge you have about dogs, do you ever get people that don't recognize you and try to give you guidance, uh, pet behavior advice? Well, I do have some people recognize me, like one of the two times in my life I was ever bitten. I was walking down a path with Rusty with a chucket throwing a tennis ball, and a dog came careening around the corner, trailing its lead, flew straight at me and um, bit me in the leg. It wasn't oh. a bad bite. He tore my jeans, and there was a, little, a dent. Mm -hmm. And the owner came around and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just got him from a shelter, and it's the first time he just pulled the leash out of my hand, and I don't know. And I said, don't worry about it. She said, you're not Dr. Dodman, are you? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Uh, can I buy you a new pair of pants? I said, no, it's all right. They're these old pants. Don't worry about it. They're torn, but I'm, I'm fine. And then on the other hand, I, when I'm down at Chesapeake Bay, 
there's a man down there he's an old retired sea captain and he's got a dog who's very cute looks a lot like rusty but it's a female okay and i know that i know from my knowledge of dogs that this dog wants to say hi to rusty and i know rusty wants to say hi to the dog but he says no no she's not good with other dogs. And I say, but I think it's going to be fine. No, no, you just don't understand. I said, well, just let her off leash. She'll be fine. No, we did that once before and there was a terrible fight. I can't, I can't do that. Please stay away. And, I'm, and I don't say who I am. I just say, okay. Oh, man. I put them on leash and walk by. We're going to put so you on. Do we're it, gonna have to put you, yeah, we're going to have to put you on what's my line or something. And, or we have to do a surprise visit to that sea captain and explain who you are, Dr. Diamond. Because between you and Rusty, I'm sure this dog would have a good companionship. So, hey, it happens, right? It happens. We're speaking with Dr. Nicholas Dodman, listeners, and I want you to dash over to dogtv.com. Check it out. It's going to help dogs who stay home alone, and it has a lot of components to it, and there's a lot of science behind it. And you can check it out for free for like 14 days. If you do like it, it's $9.99 a month. That is nothing. That is nothing for the well-being of your dog. In addition, I do want you to check out, if you want to learn more about dog behavior and what's going on, we're speaking to one of the top people in the planet when it comes to research. And go to Dr. Dodman, Dr. Dodman. Uh, is it org or dot com? Dr. Org or com or work. Okay. All right. And that'll just forward you right to the Center for Canine Behavior Studies and you can learn even more. I got to say, Dr. Nick, I have been delighted and honored to share some of your knowledge when I was an editor at Tufts and, and when I write for different publications. You're a go-to guy, and you've really, really improved the well-being of, of dogs, cats, and other critters all over this planet. So from that kid in the kitchen with your mom wrestling with uh, birds, I mean, look what you've done. It's been a wild ride and uh, a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I think being a veterinarian is t terrific because you have a lot more scope, I think. You know, on medicine these days, you have to stay on rails and you have to do what you do and you can't move sideways. And, you know, I did move from anesthesiology into behavior and then behavior into psychopharmacology and, and then into genetics. And, you know, you can just you know, dance around between fields. So it's been terrific. But I got to say, you've always been there for me and uh, you know I'm a fan of yours too Arden and uh, we had a lot of fun working together in the past and it's great to talk with you today. Well I appreciate that. Folks please go to dogtv.com please check out drdoctordodman.com you can learn a lot and be inspired and motivated and best of all you can bring out the best in your pets and at this time also I want to give a pause up to my producer Mark Winner he is the wizard of pause Pet Life Radio is the largest and most listened to pet radio network on the planet and a lot of that has been behind the genius of this guy doctor uh, not doctor but Mark Winner hey I just gave you a doctor degree Mark sorry about that but that's alright and the other good news listeners is is somebody named Oprah has picked our show, Oh Behave, as one of her top three favorite pet podcasts on the planet. So we're very honored by that. So keep tuning in. Tell all your friends. So until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh Behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. 
From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.